Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. And to be sure, as we look at 2020, if we could go back in time a year ago and say, man, I wonder what the Lord has in store for us in 2020. And we would look in the box. Let's say that this is the present and this is 2020 right here. And we would look at the box and we would look at, oh my gosh, what's in here? And we would see COVID and we would see depression and we would see job loss. And we, you would see us knock down the Christmas tree. We'd be like, you can take this back, Jesus. We don't want this. This is worthless. And probably many of us, we, we look at 2021 now. We're, we're looking at the, the package, the gift of 2021. And we're like, I don't know that I even want to go. I don't even, I, I'm, I'm dreading Christmas because of what might be coming. Given all that's happened, man, I'm just weary. You know what it's like to get something that you just don't want, don't you? If, if, you're, if you're a wife, maybe you wanted boots for Christmas, and your husband, he brings you something, it looks good, and it looks like, oh man, maybe that's it, that looks right. And then you open it up, and it's like, it's like a Weight Watchers subscription or something like that. And you're like, wow, yes, thank you. Right? Or maybe you're, you're you're a gentleman, and you want a new iPhone, and you, you get this package on Christmas morning. It's, oh, man, this is the right weight. I know this is it. And you open it up, it's nose hair clippers. And you're like, oh, good. You know, which is actually a, re- a really good gift for a guy, but, you know, that's not what he wants to open when he's expecting an iPhone on Christmas morning. But we've all got these places where we've been disappointed, and we didn't get what we wanted. We wanted something else. And so we're starting this new series, and we're going to go back in time. We're going to go to an Old Testament book. It's kind of a strange place to start a Christmas series. But we're going to go to the, the book of Ruth, and we're going to find this family that had a really disappointing year. A lot went wrong. They did not get what they wanted. And maybe you're going to see yourself in that family because for some of us, you know, you started 2020 and you were thinking, I'll tell you what, you know, it's going to go so great. I'm gonna, we're going to have a graduation. But you didn't get to have the graduation party in the same way. Or you expected a child to be here this Christmas. And you didn't get that child because there was infertility or there was some kind of a miscarriage. And no one really understands now the hole that is in your heart that's left. Or maybe like this girl that I met about six weeks ago. She was all planned to have after seven years of waiting this beautiful outdoor wedding with her husband that she couldn't have. She had this little mini one, and now they have to postpone. Who knows when they're going to really be able to have the big wedding. But what they wanted, they didn't get. Or maybe you planned, you know, this great family vacation. You were going to go down to Disney World. Well, hello, you don't get to go now. Or maybe like my family, you had some, some trips planned, or you had a sweet 16 birthday party planned, or you had a graduation party, or the, the thing that's really important, the school play Nope. What you wanted, you didn't get. You got something else. And so we're going to look at this family, and, and here's what's happening. They're, they're in Old Testament times. They're in the time of the judges, and there's no king in this time. There's just judges, and there's, fam, there's famine in the land. And we don't know. We don't know why there's a famine. It could be that they did something wrong. It could be that the Lord just allowed famine to happen. The text doesn't tell us, but we know that things are so bad that this family, this gentleman named Elimelech, he decides, well, I don't like what's going on here, so I'm going to go to this foreign place called Moab. Now, Elimelech, his name means God is king, but he doesn't really act like a king. At least that's not what the text is implying because 
He goes to this distant country. He says, I'm going to trust them. I'm going to trust their government systems more than I'm going to trust my God. So he goes and, and tries to get food. And he's got a wife, and her name is Naomi. And her name, Naomi, it means sweet or pleasant. And they've got two sons. Now, their sons are named Malon and Chilion. Now, what you got to understand about these sons is their names really mean, literally, sick and dying. Now, I'm, I'm just like, all right, I'm already feeling nervous about this, that you're naming your kids sick and dying. Anybody else feel like that's a little weird? Like, like something's got, okay, I'm afraid if you name them that, something bad's going to happen now. All right? And, and, and I'm just thinking, like, can we have a second meeting? Can we just sleep on it, all right, and, and meet after breakfast and, and just talk about it? Because I'm a little bit afraid my husband's a psychopath now that you want to call our kids sick and dying. I'd be like one of us this year, we have a baby, and we're like, I'll tell you what, I'm going to name it COVID and plague. Those are my two kids. And, and nothing bad ever is going to happen. Everyone's just going to be fine, you know? So they go to Moab, and, and, the, and the two boys, they meet these two Moabite girls, and everything's going great so far, and, you know, they fall in love. But then suddenly, uh-oh, Elimelech, the dad, the guy who brought them all there, he dies, and we don't know why, we don't know how. Maybe it was a heart attack, maybe got hit by a camel, we don't know. The Bible doesn't say. And then, wouldn't you know it, what happens? Sick and dying. Get sick and die. And the Bible doesn't even tell us what happened. And, you know, I can just picture, now you got three ladies, all right? Right? You, like you got Naomi, she's the mom, and you got Ruth and Orpah, and they're sitting there, you know, before the grave, and, you know, Naomi's just like, man, I don't know, I don't know what happened, I don't know how this could happen. And, and you know, the, the other girl's like, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was the name thing, you know? I mean, were there any even other options, okay? Like, why did you do this, Naomi? I mean, you know, did you, did you not think of Simon and Garfunkel, or was there something? I mean, do you think that was already taken? I mean, anything, man. Mike and Ike, I mean, sick and dying, what are you doing? I mean, I'll tell you what, you could have just done rich and famous. I mean, how about that? Then I'd be sitting there on the beach right now, sipping my, you know, Moabite martini, and instead, we got this because you had this brilliant idea, sick and dying. And so, you know, they're, they're depressed, they're lonely, they're confused. And Naomi says, I'll tell you what, you know, we just got to go back. I got to go back to the nation of Israel. I got to go back to the promised land. You know, this whole thing went south. Now I'm kind of out here alone. I got these girls that married my boys, and I don't know what to do now. And, and what are they dealing with? They're dealing with, I wanted something else. I didn't come out here for this to happen. I wanted something else, and now I'm depressed, and now my hopes are dashed, and now I'm at a dead end. Anybody feel like that ever? Anybody feel like that in 2020? They wanted something else. And so there's no welfare here in Moab. So she's like, hey, man, you know, we'll just go back to the nation of Israel. And, you know, they don't get much, they, halfway down the road, and Naomi turns around, she looks at the girls, she's like, uh, ladies. Remember, now, these are, these are Moabite native girls, She's like, ladies, you don't need the baggage of a mother-in-law with you. You need, man, you need men. Why don't you stay here and marry some better-named gentlemen than my guys, and you know, you'll, you'll get on with your life. You don't, I can't have kids again and help you out. Why don't you just stay here? And Orpah, she's just like, oh, man, I'm so glad you said something. I was getting so nervous. Like we were going to have to walk the whole way. And she's like, Speedy Gonzalez, she's out of there. She's like, nope, yes, I'm, out of, I'm going back to Moab. I'm going to deal with some, some new men there. But... Ruth says something really powerful. Many of you have heard this before. She turns to Naomi, Ruth 1.16. She says, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And, and Ruth is passing this test. She's a model to us of 
faithfulness. Faithfulness when it doesn't seem like there's anything left here to help you. Like, why would you do this, Ruth? You're just being faithful to Naomi. Your husband's dead. Her husband's dead. You're not even really related by blood. And yet you're just being faithful to pass the test, to stick with it. And we all get these tests where we have to have spiritual eyes to see, is God just asking me to be faithful? Just stick with it. It doesn't seem like there's any benefit to you at all right here, right now, but just stick with it. And so they make their way back to Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is about 200 people big. It's not very big. That's why we're saying a little town of Bethlehem. But you know, 200 people, right? Like Naomi and Ruth, they roll up into Bethlehem and people are gossiping. They're talking like, oh my gosh, there goes Naomi. Can you believe what she named her sons? Did she kill her, her old man? Like what happened? Here they are. You know, there's just rumors and, and they're talking about this Moabite girl that comes with them. And she says, well, you're calling me Naomi, but don't call me Naomi anymore. Because Naomi means sweet, and Naomi means pleasant. Says, but I'm bitter now. God has made my life bitter. Ruth 1.20 says, don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought me misfortune. Can you picture Naomi there, she's, she's mad. And she's, she's mad at God. She's blaming God. Now, God didn't tell them to move to Moab. He didn't tell them to do any of this stuff. But she's like, God could have saved me from this thing, and he didn't. And you know, the enemy's always going to come along. And it was gonna, he's always going to tell you what God did wrong or what God didn't rescue you from or what God didn't keep you from. He's always going to get you to try to blame God. And it's really important in those moments. You know, this, this happens for all of us from time to time. It's really important in those moments when the enemy is accusing the Lord to us, we got to pray. That's when we go to pray, to prayer. And we even, we just, we're up front with Jesus about, it. Lord, would you help me to not accuse you? Like, I know that I know that God can do no wrong. I know that's true. But the evidence, the enemy's trying to stack the evidence against you. And so just help me have a soft heart. Because the enemy, what does he want? He wants to separate us and create distance between us and the Lord at the very moment when you most need to be near to the Lord. So that accusation is always going to come, and it definitely came for Naomi. And weren't we just like them, man? Like we signed God up for all kinds of stuff, and we're like, God, you're going to do this, and then you're going to do this, and then you're going to do this, and then he doesn't do it. And we're like, What? What happened? And we need to protect ourselves because we're deciding in that moment, is this a story of loss? Because it feels like a story of loss. I mean, Naomi, she lost her man. She lost her sons. She lost her land. How is this not a story of loss? Is it? Is it a story of loss? We've got to decide how we're going to choose to see that because in your journey and in your story and in your adventure that you're on, with the Lord, you're going to get to different places where you and I, we need to decide, I can choose how I'm going to view this. Am I going to view this as a story of loss? So Jerry Sitzer was in a car accident. He was hit by a drunk driver, and he had his mom, his wife, and his daughter in the car, and they all died in the same moment, and he was unscathed. He was unhurt. And he wrote about it in a book called A Grace Disguised. And he wrote this. He said, the experience of loss does not need to be the defining moment of our story. The defining moment can be our response to the loss. The story doesn't have to be about the loss. The story can be about responding 
to the loss. And so we all get to decide, am I going to make my story about what happened or am I going to make my story about how I respond to what happened? So not to use too many Star Wars illustrations on you, but I like to use them so some of you won't get this. But if you think about The Last Jedi, with regard to Luke, that story is not really about what happened to Luke. It's about how Luke is responding to what happened. And we all get to decide do we want to just let this pull us down? Do we want to just, is this just going to be the end of the story? It's just never going to get better because we decided to look at it this way. John the Baptist said this, when, when it seemed like his influence was being taken away from him. John 3, 27, he said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given him from heaven. Now that works both ways because it means if I don't have it, it's because God hasn't given it. But also, if I do have it, it's because God has given it. And there's just a certain degree to which there's nothing I can do about that. All I can choose is how I'm going to respond to that. And so our question as we look at Naomi's story is, is this really a story of loss? Or is it a story possibly of redemption? So Naomi and Ruth they roll up on into Bethlehem, and they don't really have many options here, okay? So Ruth is going to go to work in the fields. The version of welfare that there was in Israel at this point was, if, you, if you're poor, you just follow along behind the people that are harvesting. You get to glean after them, and you get to take home whatever you know, little grain that you can. And so she does it, and dude, it's not real glamorous, but she does it. Anyway, and you got to admire her. You know, she, man, she's a go-get-em kind of a girl. She's faithful. She sticks with it. And she's not afraid of a little bit of hard work. But as she's doing this, check it out. This is where the final main character of our story today, Boaz, notices her. Boaz notices her. And he starts to pay attention to her. He's like, wow, who's this? And he starts farm flirting with her. Okay? He's farm flirting. He's giving her a little bit extra. He's like, yeah, no, 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 let's give you a bigger sack here. Let's give you a little bit more you know, to take home. Now, of course, he's doing this and Naomi's going to notice that he's, maybe Ruth doesn't figure this out, but Naomi figures out this dude is farm flirting. What's going on here? We better do something about it. Ruth 2, 3. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters and as, as it happened, somebody say, as it happened. As it happened, just so happened, just worked out this way by God's sovereign choices. It just happened to happen that she found herself working in a field to belong to Boaz, the relative of her father, Elimelech. Okay, so Boaz, dude, he's not only rich, he's not only single, he's not only godly. This dude would have been on The Bachelor, but he has too much self-respect, so he wasn't. He's not only all those, he's related to Naomi's late husband, to Ruth's former father-in-law, that means he's a contender maybe to help them in significant ways. As it happened, she's in this field. While Ruth is being faithful, the road to redemption, often we, have, we, we need redemption in certain areas. Certain, certain things went wrong. We had a story of loss. And there's in that road to redemption, it takes way longer sometimes, and it's way more zigzaggy than we would have thought. Boaz didn't show up for Ruth and Naomi when they were at Moab. He didn't show up when they were on the way to Israel. He shows up after she decides to be, somebody say, faithful. Faithful in an area. Man, it was 2020. Everything was falling apart. 
Everything was caving in. There was nothing but loss, loss, loss. But as it happened, some decided to be faithful. And as they were faithful, and that's how it works with God. It's going to take way longer. It's going to be way more zigzaggy. And sometimes there's characters that aren't there yet. Sometimes there's people that he has yet to bring in that are going to be a part of the solution. And that's good for our pride because sometimes we want to just solve everything on our own. Hey, man, I just want to fix this. I'm going to bring about my own. I'm going to engineer my redemption. I'm going to get out of this thing. And God says, no, you just be faithful and you just wait on me. I'm going to bring the right people. I'm going to bring the right circumstances, the right situation to bring about redemption. And so he notices this girl. And, and Naomi's figuring this out, man. She knows farm flirting. And she says, all right, baby, hey, um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down to Israelite Mart, and I want you to get some of them, you know, long eyelashes and, and get some, some lipstick, okay? Take yourself a bath, sugar. And then what I want you to do is wait till Boaz is done working for the day. He's going to go and he's going to get his supper, and then he's going he's to go out to the barn. He's going to go to sleep. And when he goes to sleep, I just want you to go lie down at his feet, and he'll tell you what to do. And we're like, what? What does she think is going to happen when she lies down at his feet? Well, rest assured, it's, it's purity in this case. What that means, though, and, and Naomi knows this, that means she's presenting herself. Okay, there's nothing immoral here. She's, she's saying, I'm available for marriage. Okay, if you want to be a guy that would rescue us, if you want to just know, man, I'll relocate. I'm the girl. I'm what, you know, I can work the farm, obviously, but I am, I'm able to be redeemed, to be rescued, just so you know. It's, it's saying, if you want to propose to me, that'd be just fine with me. Ruth 3, 8. Here, here's where it happens. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Yeah. I bet you that doesn't happen every night. Who are you? He asked. It's probably dark. He's got sleep in his eyes. I'm your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. Now, if you say that to anyone else in our time, as is going to sound very different than it sounds to him, because she's saying, hey, I'm, I'm available here. If, if you want to marry me, that's, that's great. He says, verse 10, for you, she says, for you are, are my family redeemer. We'll talk about that in a second. He says, the Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after younger men, whether rich or poor. Now, don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary. He says, dude, I'll, I'll take care of all the details here. Everyone in town knows that you are a virtuous woman. So Boaz is identified as the kinsman redeemer. Let's break that law down here. What that means is if a family comes on hard times, okay, maybe the husband dies or, or somehow their land is going to be stripped from them. Okay, land isn't like in our time where you can just go buy more, right? Or you can just, well, you know, people move all the time, so it's not a big deal. No, family owns land for generations. And so the, the kinsman redeemer steps in and says, well, before they lose this, because I'm in their family, I'm going to buy it and keep everybody together. I'm going to keep this land in the family so they don't ultimately lose it. And that means he gets, when he gets the land, he also gets the people. He gets the Naomi, and he gets the Ruth. And so Boaz is like, hey, man, this is, a good, this is a good deal for me. I like this girl. Hey, why don't we do it? But we have to understand, while it is good, there's a little bit of a stigma with it, okay, because she's a Moabite. And everybody else knows, like, you're marrying a Moabite? Like, that's weird. It was weird that they left to begin with. Now it's weird that you're marrying a foreigner. It's just like a little bit of a no-no. And here's where we see how awesome Boaz is. Because he's doing this absolutely free 
out of grace. He's just deciding to rescue and redeem and love these people. And you and I have, are you seeing it? A kinsman redeemer. And his name is Jesus Christ. Because we lose everything. We lose everything through sin. And sin costs us our very lives. It costs us our friends. It costs us our money. It costs us our reputation. It costs us our self-esteem. And Jesus says, how about this? I'll just cover you. Okay, I'll just cover you with my blood and I will rescue you and I will save you from the penalty of losing everything and I'll be your husband when nobody else wants you because Jesus knows our deepest need, whatever, whatever you thought was gonna be in the box, Jesus says, yes, I know you didn't expect that. I know you didn't expect 2020. I know you didn't expect them to die. I know that you didn't expect Elimelech or the other two boys to die. I know that you didn't expect what was in the box. But what you really need, if you look deeper, is you need my redemption in your life. You need rescued not just from bad circumstances. You need rescued from your very sin. And here's what's wonderful about the Redeemer, Jesus this, this word redeemer, it doesn't just mean redeemed once, it means continually redeeming. God is a continual redeemer. See, God doesn't just save you five years ago. God keeps saving you. Did you notice that? Like he keeps drawing you back. He's like, man, you keep wandering back to Moab. Let me pull you back. Let me woo you back in. And that's why if we look at the New Testament, you've heard this before, it's not just that God saves us. He saved us. He is saving us and he will save us. He's a continual redeemer. God is constantly redeeming you every breath you take. Come on, somebody. I only got one clap out of that thing. That's the good news right there. God is the ultimate kinsman redeemer. And even though we resist him, like this is like, you know, Ruth and Naomi running away. He's like, no, I'm going to draw you back. I'm going to keep you under my covering because that's the kind of God I am because that's the God I keep cloaking you. I keep claiming you. I keep going after you. So here's my, here's my challenge. Look deeper. Is it possible that God is setting you up to be a blessing that you can't yet see? Is it possible that God is trying to use your pain this year, any year, to bring about progress? Is it possible that God wants to use this difficulty in your life to bring about deliverance? But we gotta look deeper. We gotta look past what we didn't want and look deeper down into what doesn't seem like a gift at all, but is actually a gift. Now we have to know about Boaz and Ruth. Scholars tell us that even though they were being pure, this is a sexually charged a little bit scene. Okay? Like she's coming into the barn and 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 yet, even though it is, they're both pure. And Boaz could possibly take advantage of the situation, but he doesn't. Because Boaz knows something that we need to remember. God is a God of order, and God is a God of time. And sometimes there's things that we want that there's a time for it. And we're, trying, we're coming up with illegitimate ways to get something that might even rightfully be ours, and we need to have Boaz vision. We need to have Boaz integrity and say, I will not, see, it'll look bad to everybody if I do anything because there's another cousin that's actually closer to Naomi. And it's really his first rights to this. So if I lean in with Ruth, right now, that could be bad, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid that. I'm going to do things properly and in order because that's the way God does it. And sometimes we're kept from things. Sometimes what's in the present is something we couldn't have. 
And God is saying, because I want to do things in order. It's not even that I'm trying to withhold it from you, but we have to go the right way at the right time. God's speed, God's way. Somebody say God's way. Oh man, I just want to do things the Boaz way, don't you? Let's just do it God's way. Man, it has the least amount of pain. It's a little bit longer, but man, it's just, it's always blessed. So Boaz falls in love with Ruth and now he's got his problem. Okay, so the next morning, so he's got he's to figure out how to deal with cousin. We don't really know if it's a first cousin or what it was, but there was somebody closer to Naomi who actually had first rights. They had first dibs on whether or not Boaz gets the land and the ladies. And so he's going to play this thing, man. So he goes out to the town gates, you know, this is where all the elders gather, and he's going to, he's going to make his pitch. He's, you know, he's going to talk to the cousin right in front of everybody. He's like, hey, man, so good news, there is this awesome privilege that you get. You can have this land. You can have all this stuff because you know Elimelech, man, he passed and, and it goes to you if you want it. Now, just so you know, there's a Moabite girl that comes with it and you know those Moabites, man, you don't know what they're going to do and you maybe a little bit of trouble. You don't want everyone knowing that you're, you know, you're married to this non-Israelite girl. You don't, I don't know that you want that. And, but, you know, it might be, might be a good deal. By the way, bonus, um, upstairs in the house, there is this mother-in-law that you also get Okay, she's going to weigh in on all your decisions and tell you what you're wrong about. And just so you know, that comes with the package. And of course, the guy's like, no, dude, I can't do this. I got stuff. I, I, I can't. No, you go ahead and you take it, Boaz, because I can't embrace that anytime soon. He says, I'm all out. Boaz says, I'm all in. And now we get to the last chapter, Ruth 4.13. So Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. While he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. So now you have this awesome dude, Boaz, who's doing all this stuff out of grace. You have this rock star wife, okay? She's faithful. She's smart. And the truth is, you know, Boaz, if he just goes it alone, he's going to be Ruth-less. Come on, somebody. You can't get that at any other church. You better, you better give God praise for what you got. So... He's not disappointed, but we're, we're still disappointed. We still get this gift. We're like, this isn't what I wanted, Lord. This is 2020. This is COVID, and this is death, and this is, you know, social distancing. This is me not being able to be with my people. This means I can't eat with certain people at Christmas. We can't have Thanksgiving together. There's things that I didn't want about this, this year. Why do I have to deal with this? And can I encourage you again? Look deeper. Look deeper into the gift because it may be that God wants to use your and my pain to bring about progress. And it may be that he wants to use our difficulty to bring about deliverance. So that's what happens. Here's the last picture, Ruth 4.17. The neighbors gather around and they're all looking at this brand new baby boy. The women living there say, Naomi has had a son and they named him Obed. He was her grandson, of course. He was the father of Jesse, and he was the father of David. And now we see how this connects to Bethlehem. Let me invite the worship team back up. See, in the box, if you look past the death of Elimelech, if you look past the difficulty with the two sons, if you keep going down, what you see is, as it happened there was this prostitute named Rahab and she was rescued before Jericho fell and she lived among the Israelites 
And as it happened, she had a son named Boaz. And because she knew what it was like to be a foreigner living among a foreign people, Boaz had a heart for the foreigner, for a girl named, a Moabite girl named Ruth. And they had a son, and that son was named Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of David. And down and down and down and down. If you keep going deeper and keep looking and keep looking, you get down to Mary and Joseph. And that is why... They have to come back for the census 1,200 years later to Bethlehem, to the little town of Bethlehem, because that's where their family lineage is from. If you keep looking down, what do you get? You get Jesus. And Jesus is always at the bottom of every one of our difficulties and every one of our pains. If we keep looking, if we keep spelunking down deep, at the bottom of that, what didn't really seem like a gift, is actually the gift of Jesus himself. And he provides not only salvation for their family line, but for the entire world, for everyone who will accept him. But what we need is eyes to see on the front end. And this is what we need eyes to see right now, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things, all things, to work together for good for those who love God, and listen, are called according to his purpose. It's not our purpose. It's not our purpose. It's his purpose. Go deeper. Maybe he's going to use our pain to bring about our progress. And maybe he's going to use what looks like disaster to bring about blessing in the future. But we commit and we say, here's what I know at the end of 2020. I don't know what happens in 2021, but I know my God doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter what year it is. He works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So if you want to start the Christmas season by giving a gift to Jesus, accept his gift from him. And say, Lord, I don't necessarily like what's on the top. I don't like the package this came in. I didn't like the pandemic. I don't like social distancing. I don't like who is passed on now. I don't like the idea of Christmas apart from them. I don't like it. But here's what I do. I stand in faith and I declare he works all things, all things, all things together for the good, for the good, for the blessing, for the deliverance, for the good of those who love him, and I say, it's not my purpose, and it was never my purpose. It wasn't about me. It's about his purpose. I want to close our time, and I want us to sing this song again, and I want you to, I want you to come back to Bethlehem, and I want you to adore him as the God who works all things together for a purpose. Go back to that original place of his habitation and just worship and say, God, I accept the gift. Whatever it is, I accept the gift because it's your purpose. It's not my purpose. And I believe now, when I don't see it, that you will work it together for good. Let's sing it. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this, why not subscribe? Share it with your friends. Click on the share button and take a screenshot and then share it on social media or your social stories. Hey, whatever challenges you're facing, 
I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Thanks for listening.